Hey guys, what's up? Matt here and welcome to the episode of Coffees for Closers. A little bit of a different episode today because we're in lockdown. Shouldn't you be wearing a mask? Yeah, you're right. I also wear a, um, I'm not sure if you know, but when I sit on my couch at night, I also wear a seatbelt. Okay, I, I wear a helmet. Um, but that's to protect me from falling. You know, it has its value. <laughs> it to is- be fair, you don't have very far to fall. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, the, the hazmat suit's good too. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I, I'm in the office, pretty much by my onesie. We have one other guy in here, so we're nice and COVID safe. Yeah, fifty-four people in hospital in all of Australia. So therefore, I mean, it's time to lock it down. Anyway, I'm not going to get into a rant. We were um, negative. I I am actually a little bit sick. Right, so you can hear my voice sounds extra sultry today. No, that's Which not is- a microphone setting. Which is why I'm at home, because I don't want to catch his diseases, you know. He's, he's got worse things than COVID. Yeah, yeah. I got COVID like 22 right now. Yeah. So I'm on that, <laughs> on that neck level COVID. Living in the future. As we get there. Um, yeah, so uh, welcome to the episode of Coffees for Closers. Apparently that's just going to keep happening. Anyway, um, so yeah, let's cue the intro. If you listen to this podcast, you will make your first million within three years. I'm going to repeat that. You will make a million dollars within three years of the first episode you listen to. We don't want pikers. We're not here to save the manatees. We're here to make podcasts. You really want this. You listen and review. Put that coffee down. All right. So what are we going to go over today, Jimmy Jim? Um, today, we were going to talk about uh, some of the recruitment stuff and what? Uh, and uh, as well as like, you know, what, what you can do as the business owner when something like COVID happens and okay. you're stuck from home, you get sick and you're responsible for the majority of the sales coming into your business. What yeah. Do you do? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, you get crumbled. <laughs> You get crunk. Okay. You don't know what to do. <laughs> God damn, that's annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I mean, you know, essentially. there's. I think there's a couple of things. You can have to do three. You could do six. You could do nine. <laughs> yeah, well played. Damn, oh, these sales are fine. <laughs> well played. I knew where you would go with that. If you're a sales guy or if you're a business owner, right? So I'm kind of speaking to two different people at the same time. Yeah. So if you're a sales guy, what level, what kind of redundancy do you have? within your processes, within your business. And if you're a commissionally sales guy, like you have a business, right? You are a business owner, right? What are you doing to create redundancies? What are you doing to make yourself better? But also if you are a business owner and you're someone who has commissionally sales reps or even salaried sales reps, like how are you making sure that one, all your guys have all the things that they require in order to be successful? How do they have... Do they, are they the people who are the right culture fits long-term? Yep. I actually had a very, very interesting conversation with um, one of our guys. I won't, I won't name him, but he, he, he left a little while ago and he went to go be like a sales manager for a big coach, right? He called me up saying, man, we got this recruitment and placement company. They put guys in our, they're just so green. I just can't really work with them. We need you guys to come in and place some sales rooms for us. And I was like, sweet. And I was like, like I'm more than happy to take your money, but I was like, you're a sales manager now. And I was like, and you're also a friend of mine and I want the best for you. And like maybe throwing money at this problem is the right answer. And don't get me wrong. If you are throwing it, I want to catch it. Well, maybe you need to train them. 
Well, but I was like, let's have a look at what's happening because I was like, um, he's like, we just need some killers, right? He's probably listening to this. And I, I, I tried to give him a really interesting perspective, which I don't think a lot of people have. Like, and I told him, listen, man, if your business requires killers, because he's a killer, he's a phenomenal salesperson, mm, top, yeah, top, top 5% in the world type thing, right? And I was like, listen, if your business requires a bunch of you, that's a real problem. Mm-hmm. Because like that's not a sustainable, like especially if you're looking for them, you can make them over the next year, right? We can make those guys if we have the right culture fit. We can put the development. If we get five really good culture fits, we can create two, maybe three killers yeah. out of that group, right? Well, but if you, sorry, if you get that culture fit, they also have to have the work ethic. Yeah, right. Which I kind of assume that's part of the culture, mm. right? If you have a culture of development, like you can't come into sales sniper and not want to work hard, you're going to get swallowed up pretty quick, right? Yeah. So I was like, listen, man, like you need to be able to be successful with mid-tier sales reps, right? Because if you don't, then your marketing sucks. Like yeah. if you have to have killers, that means your marketing is weak, right? But like if you've got average marketing and weak or green salespeople, that's not good. And it's going to be really difficult to have any sort of unemotional viewpoint as mm. to what actually is going on. So what we need to do is dive through the data. Cause what I don't want to do is have you pay me a bunch of money. Me find guys who are actually pretty good, who have good potential, put them in your business and they underperform as well, because not only do you have a bit of a sales issue, but you've also got a bit of a marketing issue. And yeah. I want to be able to delineate between the two. Like if I put Marco in and he kills it, that doesn't tell me anything. Yeah, it did. <laughs> right? It just tells me Marco's good at selling. You know what I mean? But if I put like an average salesperson in there, right, and they do fairly well, I go, hey, your marketing's pretty strong. This guy's pretty good. He's doing well. Mm. Everything's okay. That's really good. So just trying to provide a different level of insight. And it's like, you know, some, and I was like, you know, there's three options. I can, one, I can just find and source new people for you. Two, I can take the guys that you have and I can we can really throw some time into them. If they're good dudes who you like being around and want to have a beer with and they work Let's hard. Let's make them better. Let's just make them better, right? They, the system they've been taught, I think, is not fantastic, right? But it's fine. And then the last one is that I can just have my guys come in and do it for you. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, but I was like, that's probably not what they want. But, yeah, so just providing some insight. You know, we, we had a meeting today with one of our – I guess mentors, Michael Chu. Somewhat, yeah. Yeah, he runs a business called Champ Dev. They recently acquired uh, Trouble Buyers and um, a few other businesses. Like six other businesses. And yeah, so we were kind of uh, talking to him about a few different things. We, we, we sort of run and manage his sales team and train his guys. And, and he helps us out with some stuff as well. He's really good at sort of vision stuff. And uh, one of the things that we, we kind of really realized today that like we probably provide a lot more value. A lot of the stuff that we put out there is just pure sales training stuff, right? But a lot of the stuff we actually do with our clients, because our clients are business owners, not salespeople, yeah. is like we we coach them on how to have not only effective sales processes, but like how to look at sales in their business a little bit differently, mm-hmm. right? And, and so like, how do we actually use sales as a barometer for the success and like it's the temp check of how aggressive we can be with the growth of our company. Yeah. And the potential scalability of it. Right. It's funny. It's just like, that's why we've grown so fast because our business is so sales related. Yeah. That like literally only metric that matters for us is how good we are at selling. Yeah. And our model is so different. I told, I was, I told the guy today I was talking to, 
because I had a meeting with one of our clients to kind of just realign some of them and look to remove some people out of certain parts of the business and just sort of do a bit of business coaching on certain insights that I had for them. And I was like, um, you know, your ideal client pays you two and a half grand a month. My ideal client pays me a hundred grand a month. I was like, so don't compare my growth with yours. Yeah. I was like, let's not, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really make sense to do that. You're comparing apples to oranges and trying to make assumptions that one is better than the other or one has more potential when yeah. it's not true. But like, yeah, as you said, like you can get those insights from sales as well as from marketing, but there's a very larger scale understanding of what to do with that information and how to utilize it to make proper decisions. And yeah. that's a skill set that you can have sales, but there's so many factors where, you know, you could look at close rate, make decisions on that. But, you know, an average business owner would make a decision on close rate. But to gauge, like, the potential of scalability, you have to ask, like, what are the factors that are affecting close rate? Exactly. Right? And it's, and it's the nuance that actually gives you the, the, the idea. One, one of the business owners came to me and said, man, you guys are only closing at 10%. And I was like, yeah, I know. He goes, what's going on? And I was like, oh, the guy's a killer. It's nothing to do with sales. Yep. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, like you have no lead flow. So we're putting literally everyone who comes to us into a sales call. Yeah. Right. Literally everybody. <clears throat> right. Which means that like we're putting people who have like 90% of the people we see have no business having a sales call, mm-hmm. but we have no volume. So it's like, Take let's say, let's say of the people, and we can look at that because we have a lead quality metric from, from, is it one to five or zero to five? It's zero to five. Zero to five. Well, right? zero is just like they know shit. Yeah. You can actually speak to them. So you can't so have it Essentially from one to five, right? Now, normally what we try and do is book three, fours and fives into sales calls. And then ones and twos would just go into like a long-term farming where they never go into a sales call. But, you know, in famine levels, right? You know what I mean? Like your priorities change a little bit and you go, okay, well, hey guys, do we actually care about close rate or do we just want maximal sales? Hmm. Let's say I close one in 15 of a one because like they're literally just incredibly unqualified, barely even in the niche. They're just Hmm. random people who clicked on something, right? If I close one in 15, but I'm closing 70% of my fours and fives, 50% of my threes, right? Overall, my close rate would be like 20%, which is not good. It's like, it's fine. Not, 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 not from triage. That's not good. Yeah. Right. So, but we would then get, yeah, we could then take out the ones and the twos and we can go, Hey, look, we're closing at 65%. Are you happy with that? Sweet. Now these people have been pre-identified as very, very low quality or low chance, Mm -hmm. but because we've booked 15 of those and sold one, you got an extra sale. We spent 15 hours doing that work. Are you happy with us? Cause I'm happy not to do the 15 hours, but do you want that sale? Yes, I do. Okay. Then shut your f-ing mouth. <laughs> right. And just let me do my thing. Like I'm making choices, mm. right? Yeah. Now, if someone is struggling to make sales, we can identify that and fix it. Right. Like we can just fix it. Like it's honestly not that difficult. Right. And we can, move people around and we can figure out what's going right, what's going wrong. We can usually within two weeks, identify problems, fix problems, put the person out into the wild again, and they can go out there and hunt. Right. Um, but if we're making choices, it's like, it doesn't really need to be a thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's also really good, particularly on a new offer. We do that anyway. 
Um, because those ones, you can, you don't have to be perfect. You can mess around. You can try different tactics, see how things work, play <clears throat> around with different things, and use that as pure practice for objection handling. This is actually a really good thing that grinds my gears. I should do a segment. You on know what grinds my grinds gears? my gears, and then have it like the you know spot behind a desk, like Peter Griffin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and have the gears like this. Grinds grinds my gears. All right. Anyway, is when and let's get you animated. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great idea. It's getting expensive. (laughs) You know what really grinds my gears? Put that out, by the way, Charlie. That's that's fine. No, you leave Uh, it in, Charlie. What like I what I what really grinds my gears is like when like new sales reps, especially even experienced sales reps, like they're not that busy, they're not making that much money. And they complain about like underqualified leads. It's like, yeah, I understand that can be annoying, but it's a tremendous opportunity to get better. Mm. Like if you want to get really good at fighting, probably spar against people who are really good. Right. So when you get in the ring, you know what I mean? Like you, you know, what's going on. And so like, I think that people just like, I hate the term mindset. I don't hate it, but it's just like, they just look at things the wrong way. It's like, instead of looking at it as an annoyance, look at it as an opportunity. Like, cause it really is like the only reason why I'm like, I consider myself like one of the things in sales that I know I'm very good at is objection handling. I know I'm really good at it. Right. Like I got that way because I sold a lot of broke people mm-hmm. and it's like, that's the only way you're going to get good at it. Like you can theorize objection handling all you want and I can script it out for people, but for people to sit there and do it in real time, they need practice. And it's like, that's why that that term strong marketing makes weak sales. It, it's really true, yeah. and vice versa. Really strong sales makes weak marketing. So, but I think it's like if you can be very conscious of the activities that are going on. And I really think like I don't hear many people talking about these things about like the decisions that are made within a sales cycle and sales process that are business decisions. And everyone's just trying to increase close rate or increase sharp rates. Like, yeah, those are all good things to try and do. But like, I don't want close rates at 80, 90%. Yeah. That means we're not charging enough. It means we don't have enough volume. It means it's too right? easy. It's too easy. Let's turn the volume up in the leads and let's lower the qualification or so we can get more people or let's ramp the price up, right? Because if we can close at 90% on a 10K offer, Let's go to 12, see what happens. If it's 80% at 12, perfect. Let's go to 14. If it's 70% at 14, sweet. Let's go to 18. It's 50%. Sweet. Okay, well, I was at 10. Now I'm at 18. I'm closing at 50% instead of 80. So I'm actually making the same money, but I have half the clients. What what do you think is like optimal close rate? Like for the business, awesome. We're on the same page. I was literally going to say 65. 65 is perfect. Right. Like if you can get this is post triage, that's not like one call close killering stuff like that. Like that's a mm. little bit different. It's going to be a it's different gonna be metric. Less, always. Yeah, it's going to be less. Like if you can hit 40 percent on a one call close straight to sale, you, that's you that's that's that. fantastic. Right. That's, that's equivalent um, to 90 for us. So, yeah, it's, re- it's really good because like you just have unless you have like heaps of conditional logic that just weeds everyone who's not like ready to buy money in hand type stuff out. But yeah. Um, yeah. If, if you close it at 40% on a one call close and they paid a deposit to be on that call, you probably yeah. suck. 
<laughs> like if you if you can get sixty five percent, that means that I, I think like you're you're optimizing everybody's opportunity and you're you're pushing the limits of like what you're going to be able to pay. Mm-hmm. You know, because in my opinion, like more money, less clients is better. The business is more scalable. The it's less administrative burden on the business. Um, the less sales guys are still like they don't feel like their time is being wasted, but they're still like having to push to get the sales. Like again, like which why we raised the prices for seventh level. We also altered the program, so we raised the prices but tweaked the program to be a lot better, to be a lot more scalable, a lot mm-hmm. better, a lot more infrastructure, a lot more help. Right, so we kind of had to raise the price, but also the guys are closing at like ninety percent, right? So it's like the marketing is super good. It's like now what we have to do is keep raising the prices. So if you're out there and you're thinking about turning seventh level, it is going to incrementally go up nearly every month, mm. right? Could Until you, I get enough pushback to where I stop doing it. Would you even consider it marketing or would you consider it a sales process? Well, it's both, right? So mm. the the process that generates the interest is the marketing. Mm-hmm. And then once they're uh, a registered interest, then it becomes a sales process, right? So like we do marketing in the group, we do content to create engagement. Then from there, they reach out, we, we create a problem. Then from there, boom. Now, once that person's in like an active DM conversation, that's now a sales process, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, the marketing is the best marketing we have of any account that we're on. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because and like, and we do it. Because like, we control weird. it. It's our Yeah, content. we control it a lot. Yeah. yeah. We have like, we have the power to make the decisions that we want to. Yeah, as the people running the sales process, and we can ramp budgets. And you know, I went super aggressive on the budgets in one of the months. It didn't work out at all because we had an ad seam that was a bit subpar. But that's a whole different question. Yep. You know, I, I okayed them for like thirty five thousand, forty thousand for the month. I was like, let's go, baby. Yeah, <laughs> and then we got a new guy on Charlie. Shout out to Charlie Valor from Valor Media. Crushes Facebook group lead generation, and he got our Facebook link. Group will be down. in the description, Charlie. Yeah. And he, he literally, like, I had to convince him to do it. And he got our group joins down to f- all. They were at, like, $42 a join. And he got them down to, like, sub-10. bucks. Yeah, I think he shaved $40 on average, right? Because our cost goes up as the content that we're doing starts to get old and watched a lot. So we usually come in at about, like, $4, and it increases out to 7 as those ad sets get used and used. As opposed to the other guy who was sitting around like the, the forty-two to fifty. Yeah. I thought about sending him those the the metrics and being like, man, you should, like, I really like you, but we should hop on a call and we should go over like, how is this guy doing this so much better? Mm. You know what it's I mean? Kind of petty. I feel like that's more of a petty move. No, 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 no. Like to to actually help him out. Okay. You know what yeah. I mean? To yeah, be like, maybe. hey, man, like, I'm, let's have a chat because this is, anyway, it doesn't matter. But. Depends on the person of how they take feedback and critique. You know, some people would love that. Others would hate it. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. You know him better than me. So. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, right? Because we're on, I think we're on, like, we're on both sides. So we own a, we own a coaching company, seventh level, right? First 500K a month. What to do? Right? Happy days. We own the commission on the agency. What's the other thing we're doing? Uh, I think it's, it starts with an R. What's... Recruitment. Ah, that's it, yeah. Placement. No, <laughs> yeah. recruitment. Yeah. yeah, so now we're recruiting sales reps, right? So really, like, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our content 
we're going to start to steer in different directions. So mm. that we're going to really focus on two things, which we really focus very hard on one thing, which is just content just for salespeople. Now we're going to keep doing that content, but then add more content, yeah. uh, which is around like business owner stuff. So yeah. we might talk about the, 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 the owning of coaching businesses and, and sales processes within the stuff. But I think like, I think it's important for sales guys to hear that stuff because I think sales guys tend to like wrap themselves in bubble wrap and like they don't understand like gross margins versus net margins and like what their commission, like if you take a 20% commission, right. And don't get me wrong. Like I'm all for taking high commissions. I think what you get, I think what you provide and what you get given by the business is going to dictate it. Like if the person, if you like, if you get a setter, for example, you can't take 20% because now your comm is also, there has to be a comp for the setter. So if you have setters, immediately knock 5% off, right? So now the max you're going to get is like 15 because mm. now there's multiple mouths to feed. Also, like if that person is also doing like paid ads and organic and they're doing all the strategy for that, like you're going to knock it down again because now they're going to be giving you multiple streams with like, with lots of value. So like the more volume a business can give you, right? And the more infrastructure they have around you, the less money you're going to make per sale. Right. Just hands down. But the more opportunity you have, the more development you have, the more career trajectory you have, trajectory, trajectory, right? Trajectory you have because there is that infrastructure. There is that like there's that support team around you. Mm -hmm. But like, man, like if you're just a lone warrior out there doing your thing, you can get 20 percent for sure. Right. But if you're not a lone warrior and this, like usually the 20% is reserved for small businesses that like rely heavily on the closer to do their own setting, their own dialing, their own lead gen as well. Like where they're out there kind of like calling all the old leads and that kind of stuff. And sometimes you can even get to 30% if you're actually generating your own leads as well, where you're doing mm-hmm. like cold outreach, right? Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, there's, there's different ways to skin that cat, but I really think like, you know, for sales guys who aren't really businessmen out there, 20% of the gross is probably more than that business owner is going to pull out from that client. Yeah. Like we've spoken, we actually like, now that I think about it, we speak about business a lot more than what we think we do. Uh, and particularly on these podcasts. And I, uh, it's really good because, you know, to this point, we've really specialized in, in coaching and consulting sales. And I think as a salesperson, you have to understand business when you're selling business opportunity or you're selling business consulting, business coaching, advertising or whatever, because that just feeds into the congruency, right? Yeah. You have to know that stuff to understand the pain points better. You have to understand the pain points to understand where to dig. Yeah. to understand where to dig to identify the real objections. You have to identify the real objections to handle them effectively. Exactly. So it is. And, you know, we've really come to that realization that we understand business just as well, if not better than what we do on the specific sales thing, because whilst we do the done for you sales, we're more than that. We've been consulting and running the sales team and running the entire front end of businesses. And we have conversations very regularly about the back end of some of the businesses we're in and go, how is this so bad? <laughs> <laughs> so often it's like, this is the right. And then we suggest that they do it and things work better. 
Yeah. So yeah, we've literally come to the realization. I think I think we're I think we're getting there. I think our mentor yeah. Barry has a lot to do with that. Like we Absolutely. have a Barry's a you know, if he's listening, he's a very, very Bagdi Magdaditi. He's a guy that I gave equity in the business right when we started. Mm. And, and, you know, like we get a lottery like, ticket for him, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's got a few lottery tickets, but yeah. 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 Like he has a deep understanding of business and he's exited from businesses and stuff like that. And so like he, like he doesn't, it's a really interesting coaching relationship, right? Because like he doesn't actually tell us what to do, no. but he asks the questions and makes us create the mental space in order to come up with the answers, which is a more useful thing. You yeah. Yeah. Points us into a direction to solve the problem ourselves. Yeah. And so then you have an understanding of the process that you use to solve it. Then from there you go out and solve it. So he'll just have a look and go, hey, guys, your gross profit margins are not looking fantastic. Mm, Okay. Okay. Why is that? What caused it? What can we do about it? What actually? And then he'll go, what we need to do from here is we need to have a look at potential ideas to increase our gross, you know, to do this, this, and this. So he's like, I would like you to do that. And then, then we do it. And then you go, okay. And then all of a sudden, because they knows how my brain works and my brain, like I like problem solving. And yeah. so you'll go and then go, you need to go away. You need to think of like a couple of ideas to do this. And I'll come back and I go, these are my ideas. And they go, okay, which one fits up with our mission, our vision, our values, which one fits with the infrastructure that we have, which one is the easiest one to execute. Okay, mm-hmm. let's do that. Now let's make that into a project. Let's assign roles and responsibilities. And that's where the placement came from. Yeah, we should be uh, due for a chat with him next week, I imagine. Yeah, I always look forward to them. I sent him to one of our clients the other day, and uh, I got a call from him like an hour later. It was like, what the f*** did that guy just do to us? <laughs> I, I spoke to him this morning. I'm like, hey, I heard uh, you had your soul ripped out. Yeah, Barry's <laughs> <Yeah>. good at <laughs> that. That's funny. Right? Anyway, um, we should get Barry... Um, uh, do an interview in the Facebook group. I think we, I think we had a podcast with him very early on when our quality was poor and we had no idea what we're doing. Don't watch it, but maybe we should do it again. Yeah, we're just watching the background on mute. Yeah, just give us the views, baby. Uh, all right, guys, that's all we got time for today, though. A um, little bit of an interesting one. We're in lockdown, so we're a little bit disjointed. Uh, mm, the quality won't, won't quite be as good, but whatever. You guys aren't here for quality content. You're just here to see our pretty faces. Well, I mean, what we say is quality enough. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for your time. Make sure if you, uh, you watch this on YouTube, you'd like to subscribe with the notification bell. Make sure that you go to the Facebook group with the closing code. Um, and if you want to check out what we have, go to salessniper.net and you can uh, download some free resources like the objection handling matrix. Mm. I believe the follow-up handling matrix is coming out soon. Um a 49-page document on whole things follow-up. I think we might charge like 20 bucks for that, though. Mm. It only took us six months to put together. I also have a book coming. It's going to be exciting around development. Do you? Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that one. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to be a surprise, but I broke it accidentally. (laughs) I know. I got excited and wanted to show you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was really good. All right, guys. We'll uh, catch you later. Bye. Bye. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only.